Hi, my name is William Uranto, economist at OCBC Global Treasury Research. Thank you for joining us today at OCBC Insights. I would like to talk about travelling, or rather unfortunately, the lack of it. We have just a few months left to the year 2020, and historically, in normal times, this will be a time when we look forward to some uh, kind of excitement uh, in terms of year-end holidays. Maybe it's for that trip to hit the ski slopes or ramen joints in Hokkaido, or maybe it's going to be a road trip down along Margaret River in Australia, or perhaps some shopping trip across European outlet malls, uh, or perhaps even something more exotic like hiking up the historic ruins of Machu Picchu perhaps, or diving to see the whale sharks in Mauritius. However, uh, this time around obviously is uh, anything but normal. With pretty much all forms of cross-border travels essentially still a no-go uh, because of the continued pandemic scare, all those would have been, could have been travel aspirations are simply stuck as mere fantasies or even hallucinations for now. From the economic perspective, the sudden stop of travel activities this year presents a big hit to the leisure and hospitality industries throughout the region. Collectively, the five major ASEAN economies received more than 112 billion US dollars of uh, tourism revenues in 2019. That is a considerable sum that would have decreased massively this year considering that tourism activities have effectively been shut for pretty much of the much of the year. So for some countries such as Thailand where tourism revenues come up about 10% of GDP, that's obviously more painful than others uh, such as Indonesia where tourism directly contributes just about 2% to the overall national GDP. Still, uh, national numbers mask the pain experienced by specific areas within the country. The Indonesian tourist island of Bali, for instance, has been hit especially badly. So while there are some talks now of the initiation of travel bubbles and the so-called reciprocal green lanes, uh, they help to sustain hopes for the re reopening of international travel once again. The sad reality is that it will be some time to come before people around the world are comfortable enough stepping onto planes to fly hours and hours to another country for leisure once again. So into this void uh, of cross-border international travel uh, comes the hope that domestic travelers may help to fill the gap, at least temporarily. Uh, the idea is that since you and me, who may be living in various ASEAN countries, cannot travel outward, uh, then perhaps we can utilize the money that we have to spend inside within their own borders. Now, uh, to provide salvation to the travel industry by doing staycation, so to speak. At the broad level, it's an enticing idea. In aggregate, looking back at the 2019 numbers, if you look at the ASEAN 5 national uh, spending, we spend about $77 billion abroad. So there's a considerable chunk of money that could have uh, been potentially reallocated to domestic travel spending instead. Of course, uh, there's a few important considerations here. First of all, the economic and employment outlook have obviously deteriorated quite a bit because of the pandemic. So the budget that we had for travel and leisure will come down significantly this year in any case. Second of all, the aggregate numbers at the regional level also must the country by country, country considerations. Uh, that's an important one given that unlike say in Europe where intra-regional travel has opened up again, uh, that's not the case within ASEAN just yet. With that in mind, let's spend some time looking at a few countries in turn. Start with Malaysia first. The Malaysian government actually recognizes staycation salvation uh, potential quite early on. As early as February this year, in the last week in his role as a Prime Minister, Mahathir Mohamad actually announced a stimulus package that included uh, specific measures to boost domestic tourism. 
The package gave every Malaysian a 100 ringgit digital voucher for domestic travel by air or train and also for hotel stays. Malaysians could also get up to 1,000 ringgit worth of income tax relief for spending on domestic tourism. Now, Malaysians used to spend uh, about $12.4 billion abroad, more than double their intake of tourism receipts. So in terms of relative contribution, potentially speaking, it's actually quite significant, particularly if they feel enticed by the government measures. Perhaps Malaysian couples uh, could feel less romantic riding up the Petronas Towers, perhaps, uh, as they would have felt going up the Eiffel Tower, maybe. On the flip side uh, stands Thailand. In some ways, it's become a victim of its own success. As mentioned, tourism receipts from foreign travelers uh, actually command about 10% of GDP in normal times. And as a sign of how successful its tourism industry has been, uh, Bangkok, the capital city, actually beat Paris as the world's most visited city in 2019. And collectively, Thailand received over $60 billion in tourist spending back then. Co compared to that, Thai tourists spent just about $14 billion, so about uh, you know, three quarters, uh, one quarter of that. So if they do spend, every single penny that they spend abroad in Thailand this time around will still be about three quarters short. So uh, still, something is better than nothing. And Thai government has also pushed for stimulus on domestic tourism front, uh, partly given there's little visibility as to when Thailand will open uh, its borders again to foreign tourists. Back in June, the government approved a 22.4 billion Thai baht, uh, around 700 million US dollar package to boost domestic tourism. One component is so-called moral support component, uh, supporting basically the medical personnel, uh, allowing them a chance to travel for free to thank them for their role in pandemic fight. Uh, for all other Thai nationals, they can get their hotel stay subsidized about 40% rate by the government if they venture out of their home provinces. Moving on to other countries within ASEAN, Singapore government has also tried hard to stimulate domestic tourist spending. Of course, because of the geographical limitation, because of the size, Taking the cable car ride to Sentosa Island is about exotic as you can get for domestic travel activities. There's also no such thing as domestic flight to begin with unless you count the so-called flights to nowhere idea that the national carrier, Singapore Airlines, is reportedly talking about. Still, the need to help cushion the blow for the tour tourist industry in Singapore is very real. Although in aggregate, tourism commands is about 4% of GDP, which is not that high, relatively speaking, the damage caused by the pandemic is obviously very real and very acute for specific industries such as airlines, hotel industry, your F&B businesses that cater primarily to foreign tourists. They took in a good $20.1 billion US dollars back in 2019, for instance. Now, theoretically speaking, in terms of, again, the staycation salvation potential, the ratio works in Singapore's favour. Singaporeans spent a hefty $26.7 billion uh, abroad in 2019. That's one-third more than what foreign tourists spend in Singapore itself. Even though, again, because of the poor economic outlook, the capacity for spending will have come down. It's still quite a considerable chunk, which is one reason why the government is trying to tap into it. By promoting the program, uh, it's quite a mouthful, so I'll make sure I'll get it right. The program is so-called uh, Singapore Rediscovers. So any Singaporean age 18 and above will soon receive $100 worth of vouchers to spend on tourist attractions and for staycations at various hotels. Now, there's only so many times that Singaporeans can go to the, see the giraffes munching on leaves at the zoo or the peacocks strutting their feathers at the bird park. However, and it's probably hard to imagine the outright substitution, complete redirection of that outward travel budget to domestic travel one. Still, as mentioned earlier, some help is better than no help. And that's probably the takeaway from this, not just for Singapore, but for ASEAN in general. Until we have a normalization of travel patterns again, and uh, national borders open up once more for foreign tourists, 
the hospitality industry in the region needs all the help it can get right here, right now. And also because we're all stuck within our respect respective borders anyway, we offer the best hope for the industry in terms of the staycation potential for now. That's it for me. Thank you for your time. This has been a podcast from OCBC Bank. Follow us on Spotify for more episodes like the one you've just heard.